Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to Adam versus the Man. We have a very normal show for you today. Uh, there, it, uh, is it getting boring? Is the news getting predictable again? Uh, I'm afraid so. But uh, it looks like we've got one one narrative arc of American history. We can almost, oh, uh, eh, almost move past, but not quite. Talking, of course, about election 2020. Yeah, still with us. Although, hey, one thing, you know, everybody's going, it's December. Ah, oh, well, worst year ever. Mm, okay, well, this is one of those times people, uh, pe- pe- people tend to have some, like, time distortionary effects in how they evaluate things. Not that it, it, it hasn't been, uh, an interesting year, but it, it also has not been without, oh, don't worry, we're not doing our year in review yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, but just a, a couple – well, the, the narrative arc that we're almost ready to put away is, of course, around, you know, Donald Trump's uh, fighting of the election results, so to speak. Uh, is there a right way to refer to that? Donald Trump's glorious refutation of the evil leftist stealing the election from him, I think, as is, is some of his supporters have referred to it, or uh, as, as the Democrats would refer to it. The scurrilous scoundrel clinging desperately to power as a deposed tyrant. Uh, yeah, yeah, perspective is everything. And it's clear that the left and right have neither. You have to go beyond. You have to transcend the left-right spectrum, so to speak. And when you do, you see that there, there are a few silver linings of this story still still worth clinging to. And I guess, I guess celebrating, oh, man, is it Mental Health Monday? I guess it is. All right. We're going to celebrate that the real winner of the 2020 election was cannabis. All right. One other silver lining for 2020. I don't know if you noticed this, but Nobody gets the flu anymore. It's like we cured the flu. And I, I heard you know, one of my neighbors came to me and said, "Hey Adam, you know, I, I think I got the flu. And can you, uh, you know, can can I can I borrow? Can I, you have some meds? Or can I borrow some? I forget what he was asking for. And uh, and, and you know, I, he said, you know, I'm having these these symptoms. And I said, well, oh, well, that's that's definitely not the flu. That's that's COVID. Uh, in fact, I'm going to have to report you to the authorities that you can be counted as a case. Uh, and can't get me within six feet of you. I get the idea. Uh, but yes, it's, we, we have the arc of Corona. Uh, with, you know, I have to say at this point, being able to step back as an honest pundit, analyst, news commentator, that the arc of the virus is going a little little longer and a little stronger than I had expected. I, I really did think that, and, and, and I still think it's it's significant, but uh, that a lot of it was fueled by uh, 2020 election hype. There were so many things you could do around Corona by blowing it up in one direction or another that would favor Trump or Biden or the Republicans or, or Democrats more broadly. And, uh, you know, in a sense, I, I guess I was wrong. I was wrong in that I believe there was going to be more of a 
general drop off <clears throat> of the coronavirus racket viciousness following the election. We have not seen that except around the vaccine. We got we got a big COVID block today. I think we're going to save it though. We got to start with the political block. We do political. I I, I mean I, I like the way we're doing the show right now as a sort of loose organization. But you know tomorrow. We have a special episode. By the way, it is worth pointing out, we also have a guest today. So today, not only do we have, we have an election block, we have a grab bag headline block, and we have, surprise, surprise, the corona block. Uh, we also have a guest, and our guest today is Alan Stevo. We tried to have him on uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. <clears throat> but what, what we're here to talk about is uh, this this face masks in one lesson book that he published recently, the ultimate response to mandatory masking. Uh, and so I'm I'm actually really excited about this. Get this sort of a practical policy level. Uh, and you think or practical? When I say policy, I don't mean like political policy. I don't put people thinking that term. When you say policy, uh, especially with that kind of serious tone in your voice. But when, when uh, I, I mean, I say policy, I mean, like, personal policy. Like, I've said from pretty – well, I mean, I, I got to go back again, be, being, being honest. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of fell for the racket uh, enough myself that I, I thought we had corona at one point. I was like, yeah, well, how viral is it? We don't know. It's everywhere. They want us to think that it's everywhere. Uh, but But pretty soon after that sort of initial – uh, I don't know, month or two of the Corona racket, uh, where at least, and, and I called it a hoax, and I meant the response, not the virus itself. But on February first, like going way back, uh, I was so proud that a month later, see February first, my birthday, I did a podcast. It was one of, one of the very first episodes of this new version of Adam versus the Man called the Coronavirus Hoax. And I don't think the virus was not real, but that. There's a hoax around it, right? All the, all the, and I, I hate that I even have to make that distinction now. But of course, they came out and they had their extremist infiltrators and the crowd of skeptics to say, "Oh, the whole virus is a hoax. It was made in a Chinese lab, but they actually got it from an American lab. We got it from aliens. I'm not saying it was aliens, but aliens." Um, yeah, that took a weird turn. So, with that, uh, you know, sort of point at which the fear didn't really well anyway so yeah it was February 1st <clears throat> I did that podcast March 1st Ron Paul did a uh, column called the coronavirus hoax uh, I should have sued him for copyright infringement no I, that's right no uh, would definitely be against both of our principles there uh, I'm, I'm just proud actually that uh, my messaging uh, that was was so uh, effective is that, is that Ron Paul wanted to get on the same page but even after that, I, I did fall for the general mainstream narrative of the virus. I, I hate to say that. It's, it's, it's embarrassing to, uh, to admit it in those terms. But pretty soon after, what, what I came out with uh, for myself, I <laughs> came out with, uh, but what, what, what I settled on in terms of mask policy is that uh, when, when, when I'm on my property, you know, unless I have some specific reason to fear some specific individual, we're just going to do things like as normal. Um, you know, we've had, I've had people 
visit here at the Garden of Freedom who had tested positive for coronavirus and then come here after either being asymptomatic for a while or two weeks to pass or whatever. And uh, then tested negative myself in order to in order to be a part of the Thanksgiving wave uh, and, and, and to go see family around Thanksgiving. So my personal policy has been that uh, when I'm out and about, I will never wear a mask proactively. That is to say, um, I will never put it on by, you know, because I saw a sign or because I felt like it or because I'm around other people. I will carry one. And, and what I like to do is if, if I'm in and out of places a lot every day, like if I have a day of running errands, I'll wear a bandana around my neck. Oh, I'm going to stop. We're going to save this, save this for the interview with Alan. And uh, anyway, my, my I, just to, to where, where I draw my line uh, or the only time I will sort of wear a mask is if someone who is face-to-face with me asks me to wear a mask, and at which point um, I, I, I might offer uh, verbal resistance. Or, well, all right, I'll stop. We're going to get – today we're going to settle it. You're going to have no question whatsoever about mask policy. Although now that I think about it, we're going to have to do the Corona block before we get to the Steven interview. CJ, sorry about that. So we're going to have to do the yeah you, Corona. So we're going to do our political headline block. We're going to do our Corona block. We're going to do Alan Stevo. Not don't read into that. And then we're going to do our grab bag block and good news. We have some cool good news stuff today. Not not just from Good News Network and this day in history and all that. But let's get comments in freedom up here. We'll do our promos. Don't forget. I well today. I don't know. By the time you hear this, hopefully the site will be up. Having issues with Adam versus the Man over the weekend. You go to AdamVersusTheMan.com, and if it's not up, go to Patreon.com slash AdamVersusTheMan.com anyway. And uh, for $10 a month, you can become one of our uh, good, better, best best patrons. You can become a member of the Producers Club, and that's what counts. Uh, yeah, what, what, are, uh, what are our numbers? Okay, good, better. Yeah, <clears throat> better. Better is ten dollars a month. So if you're uh, ten dollars a month or more on the producers cl- or on uh, Patreon, you get in the producers club as well as fifteen percent off your order at the AdamVersusTheMan.com store and free shipping. So please support the show directly those ways as best you can. And if, uh, if you're a cigar smoker like myself, check out CigarFederation.com, one of our affiliate partners, with our promo code Adam10. EDAM10 gets you 10% off your order. And uh, finally, makethemdebate.com, where we just, I don't know, why, why haven't we had another debate happen? It's been, it's been like, it's been over a month now, hasn't it? The last one was so good. Seems like such a cool platform. I hope you'll check it out. All right, let's get comment Jim Freedom up here, see how the audience is doing this morning. I hope that was uh, not too much of a rambling open, but I felt that was a good way of sort of setting the stage for the week you know this is this is where we are jim before we jim before we get to comments i want to ask you and that that general opener the objective being you know let's let's get everybody before we jump in any specifics anything new this is this is where we are people did, did i miss anything anything big uh not that I can think of, I off the top of my head. I was just sitting there thinking, after everything you said, I'm surprised CJ didn't hit you with a... Uh, 
one of the. <laughs> I said, well, it is not contained. <laughs> Did I say it too many times? Well, you know, it's yeah. Well, we're we're do. We, I guess we got to do the Corona block. Shit. Uh, the Karen a block. Uh, we got a Alright, I guess I can't say Karen. <laughs> so, uh, that the virus block, uh, with, to include the Steve-O interview talking about masks, because it's going to be, uh, a lot about COVID. I can't wait to sum it up and be done with the debate of masks. That'll be uh, a great feeling. Uh, yeah, I, I, there, there. It's another way of like I was saying about like there, there's this. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling for words here, but I, I, I'm trying to present, you know, what I what I do with Adam versus the Man today is you know connected to all these bigger arts, and what I'm seeing is that. You could look at the, the, the news cycle, you know, a 24-hour news cycle. What what is recurring in it? What are the themes over these sort of you know periods where like, oh yeah, that was in the headlines a lot. And and the 2020 election, you know, we know that it's going to go like you know, there's, there's going to be this whole other burst of bullshit around the uh, Georgia Senate runoff, right, and uh, determining control of the U.S. Senate. From from uh, the two Senate elections still coming or pending, uh, and and with with a, a day of voting in, in early January, uh, but and then the Trump the Trump Trump saying he he won the election and was stolen from him. Um, I'm there. That's a it's kind of like a bigger arc, right? It's a, it's a much bigger story overall, and I'm afraid that one's going to be with us for a while. But let's it, it looks like. We're, we're getting to put a chunk of it to bed. And, like, with masks, at some point, masks aren't going to be a thing the way they are right now. I know that's a pretty vague, obvious statement, right? But <laughs> at some point, we're going to get past the general momentum of talking about masks the way that we are right now, uh, either with the vaccine or everybody dies. You know, one way or other, we, we get to stop talking about it. Uh, and then uh, we see like the narrative with the vaccine you know we, we see these sort of when you get to indulge as as we do in uh, the Adam versus the Man editorial team of spending so many <clears throat> hours every day reading the news you get to see these these bigger arcs and, and I hope that uh, presenting that on Adam versus the Man is, is a valuable way for people to look at current events because I enjoy it and I think it's helpful uh, but also right now it's that there are you know several you know negative arcs and patterns in the news and the uh, virus which shall not be named has a lot with it is now a huge overwhelming like composite arc of stories uh, of narratives and uh, I don't know it feel like today's show title is it over uh, at least that's what we're going to be hoping for with the uh, the Trump court battle 
side of, of that narrative, but I'm afraid it's not. Like these, these things are persistent. Like it, it would be nice if we could just get past all of these unpleasant threads. So in that sense, Jim, any, any threads that, that you think need to be pointed out? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I've been paying attention personally to the, it's just, I've been thinking as I'm watching videos, I've been watching Ford Fisher live in DC, uh, the Trump crowd is starting to apparently turn violent. They're getting pretty pissed off and it's, it's totally reminiscent to me of the opposite side of what we had in 2016. So the Democrats all said, oh, look. Trump cheated his way into office, and here's how he did it, and here's how he did it, and all the mainstream media and all the Trump people just said, no, that's not happening. You're crazy. Just deal with it. And then yeah. four years later, the same exact thing happens on the other two, and now this side, the Trump side, saying, no, 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 here's the evidence, and here's the proof, and we were stolen from. And the mainstream media and all the Democrats are going, nah, it's not true. Don't worry about it. Deal with it. They're literally yeah. just ignoring every bit of everything and just saying, yeah, just move yep. on with it. And uh, this, this yep. is how we ended up with Trumpophiles. Six months ago, all these people in D.C. that are being pissed off and breaking shit and hurting people were talking shit about the Democrats when they were doing that because they were pissed because they got stolen from. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a repeating cycle. Oh, I know. But, I, 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 yeah, I, I know you know. <laughs> I, I like to just sum it up as, Republican tears taste just as good as Democrat tears. And you're right to yeah. point out all that, uh, although I would be careful to not judge, you know, individuals by groups, because that's the, the, the collectivist. And you're doing, I mean, I, I know you're not doing it in like a pejorative way, but you're doing it in an intellectually just, ah, you're, 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 you're being slightly, do you see what I'm saying? Like slightly intellectually yeah, dishonest yeah, yeah. in order to make a, a point where you don't have to do that. You don't have to say it was the same people then who were, but you're right. There is, there right, is that, right. that obvious flip. But see, so here's, here's the bigger point we haven't really talked about. And this might be, uh, maybe just looking for a silver lining, but this might be the much more important long-term historical trend out of this. That, the political polarization is driven by the partisans inflaming the fringe uh, emotional sentiments of their base. Uh, and that there's a kind of, uh, if, if it's happening on one side, remember like when, when it happened with Trump won, there were a lot of people on the right, quote unquote, correctly pointing out that the left was behaving in an extremely infantile way. I use that word very precisely, not not childish or retarded, as in literally retarded, not the abstract pejorative reference to people with disabilities, um, or the politically incorrect way, but, um, you know, or, or even uh, deranged, although they, that's a word, but I mean infantile. And and what and, and now we see the same thing happening on the other side, right? And with uh, you know, like what you said in D.C., you know, there when you say, like I, even from from what I've seen, and, and as significant as it may may look from the videos of uh, poor boys, and this is one of our stories in the political block today. Uh, our proud boys, <laughs> poor boys. I'm hungry. I'm thinking sandwiches. Uh, when when uh, the, the the proud boys. Start. Uh, we should start making Proud Boy sandwiches. It was like a, a turd on a bun. Uh, and we uh, 
when when the Proud Boys, I'm 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 uh, I, I consider the Proud Boys allies in general, or or, or I, I mean I don't want to say allies because then uh, you're you're allies with those assholes who just did the, well, like not all, but like in theory, um, I, I'll say I, I respect them as activists, and I believe that overall uh, they they are pulling humanity in a positive direction of awareness if. if uh, some things they do are totally wrong and misguided. I'll, I'll say that their general thrust is positive. Um, and uh, it, 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 I, I don't like seeing them judged unfairly. And for for what you said, Jim, what we're seeing in in DC over the weekend, the big the big thing, the big weekend, they were gonna you know like burn, who not like I don't know, they made it sound like some. You know, something like, and I was, I was waiting, but no, rallies and fights and uh, what we saw that, that you're referring to, I believe, if there's something else, uh, but the Proud Boys crowds sort of stampeding around D.C. after their, their event and actually tearing down BLM signs in front of black churches, lighting them on fire and, and uh, crowds cheering. I mean, that's. Uh, and it's there. There's like, I don't I don't want to try to diminish that. Like uh, obviously there are people on the left who are usually trying to exaggerate. Uh, these these are relative. I don't want to say harmless because uh, that's definitely. But they're they're more symbolic attacks. I hope that's not dismissing them because some people on the left will jump in and say, "But Adam, that this is the the first step towards lynchings," and it's like. Uh, Mm, I don't know about that. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, condemnable. And the, uh, the the general hatred behind it uh, from, from the Proud Boys, absolutely, uh, I condemn it. The lack of respect for property rights, more importantly, uh, represents and reveals, I think, the big hole in, in their ideology in general. Right is that they're uh, they they don't have a fundamental respect for property rights. Now again, I'm now I'm doing this thing of of projecting onto the group from you know what we saw in D.C., which could have been the work of I mean no matter how many people are you know cheering in the crowd, crowds are crowds are easy to manipulate, right? Uh, that, that it could have been the work of of infiltrators or saboteurs or who knows. Um, but clearly the, the people who are in it, four people stabbed and, you know, I, I didn't, I, I, dude, honestly, most of what I know about this is from the producers club telegram chat, not from looking at stuff myself. Cause I'm like, eh, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's drama. Like, do I care? Do I, do I really want, what was the exact physical circumstances of the stabbings so I can evaluate them and, and decide who's responsible and how do they line up on the left-right spectrum and how does their ideology compare? Like, I don't care. Because I don't want to get sucked into that. Uh, but to the bigger point of what you were saying, Jim, that, uh, you know, that I like to make fun of by saying Republican tears taste just as good as conservative tears or uh, infantile Republican tantrums are just as entertaining as Democrat, infantile Democrat tantrums, right? Uh, to, to be one little layer more specific there. But what does that reveal then about the, the evolution of American politics? I like to look for the snake eating its own tail narratives, the like 
self-destruct mode, the things that are spiraling out of control, like the debt and the deficit and the devaluation of the dollar. Even the police state is in a, a kind of, you know, self-destruct cycle where, you know, more laws are passed on top of more laws and, and no one can ever really, even at the community level, get a handle on the problem reigning in their local police department funded by federal dollars and empowered by a, a federal legal system uh, using military gear handed down uh, from from the military, the U.S. military, to cops, to use against you, the American people. So I, I see that there might be, and, and uh, yeah, I don't know, I, there, there might be a dynamic here where there's an emotional manipulation. That, 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 that we cross a certain threshold of between 2012 and 2016, and then Trump, and, you know, if, if Clinton had won, you would have seen uh, Trump supporters being just as childish as Clinton supporters, right? Maybe. Uh, if this is sort of like an across-the-board phenomena, uh, in the political realm, the the old party system has gotten so good at emotional manipulation that they've got us, uh, or or at least a visible chunk of the population that they can use to stage events like this and and define the bigger narrative for everyone. Uh, they've they've got them in a mode of infantile behavior that makes them more prone to manipulation. It's like how did we domesticate dogs from wolves? They did this analysis by genetic testing many many centuries later, obviously, and found that the key uh, element genetically that explains the traits that dogs, domesticated dogs, have in contrast to, uh, to wolves, they're, they're same species, right? They're just different subspecies, I think is a technical delineation, uh, but wolves domesticated became dogs, and it was that uh, there's a gene that keeps them in an infantile state. And part of that state of being infantile is being uh, unsure of yourself, lack of confidence, and uh, a heightened uh, obedience and loyalty to authority. So uh, I, I, I don't know if this applies to the entire population, but I do see a disturbing trend of political manipulation similar to that to get us to, to act like loyal, obedient dogs, uh, to, to sort of domesticate us as citizens, if you will, as subjects, as tax slaves. Does that make sense, Jim? Yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, and then there's, to stick with your analogy, we would be the wolves that are smart enough and aware enough of our surroundings that we can act like dogs to be among them. But anyways, where I'm going with this is, we need to be focused on being in these crowds, and not everyone in this crowd is violent, like you're saying. There's people in these crowds, the Trump crowds, that are just they're, – they're, they can't believe what's going on, and they're going to – they're not going to become Democrats. They're losing faith in their own party because of watching what's going on. 
you know, hopefully, or that's our job is to help them lose faith in <laughs> the Republican Party and remind yeah. them that there's other options well, that you don't have to be. Lose all irrational faith, let's just say. Fair enough. Well, we better get to some comments and some, some segments here. And I have a, has something to say. I got some producer notes. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, so, uh, just wanted to let everybody know rumble.com forward slash Adam Kokesh is activated. So, today's show, after this show, we're going to upload it to the Rumble audience. And so, if you guys are on Rumble, and if you missed the show, uh, you guys should be able to watch it in its full context, hopefully uncensored and unedited and and in its entirety, uh, and so uh, we'll see how that goes. So, again, we'll get the uh, Rumble information on the screen here by the end of the broadcast. And like I said, it's not they don't have live technology yet, but when Dan Bongino announces that they have the live technology to stream to Rumble, we will move the show to Rumble as well live. So, uh, and you can watch us over there. Now, CJ, I'm not saying this as, as necessarily condemning of Rumble, but it's it's. Uh, I noticed I got an email from them and it had uh, automatically subscribed me. I think to Dan Bongino's update. No, I I I did that for you uh, because he's the owner, and you might as well get used to uh, addressing what he's saying because he's the number one Trumpophile. He is the number one podcast uh, for Republicans on YouTube, Facebook. Twitter and Parler and I mean he's the number one. I mean so I, I generally I'm inclined strongly to trust someone who presents their biases openly compared to someone who denies that they have biases. Right? Well, he, he says that he has a libertarian audience, and I agree. There's a section of the Libertarian Party that does listen to his uh, his words. But, again, it's because of his support of the president. I listen sometimes just to say, what are they whining about now? More right. mainly for myself. But the uh, the idea is, is that he says it's a free speech platform, so we should put the man's word to the, to the test. And we've experienced censorship. He's experienced censorship. Uh, and that's why he invested in these other, uh, you know, accounts. So... Let's give the man the, the benefit of the doubt and take our content and at least upload it there. And if it has a following there, awesome. And when it goes live, we can take that show and broadcast it in no differently than any other platform. So I'll say this. Yeah. I, was resisting, I was resisting it at first when I heard that name, but what you're saying right now makes perfect sense. Like, like maybe because he's creating it, it's going to bring a bunch of – Trump supporters well, there, but, right, but that's why we saying, need to be there to inject the message right, but if, so if he's, onto those minds. If he's saying he has a libertarian audience, let's bring him a libertarian candidate for president to his platform and, and let the audience see if that he, he censors he has, us. Yeah. And see if he censors us. Absolutely. If he censors us, we make a whole show if he, about If we have to make a rumble censorship intro, if we have to make a rumble censorship intro, we'll take it straight to Dan Bongino. That's true. That, that it, another thing that I like about this is that Dan Bongino, by putting his name and, and face on the front of it, essentially has his reputation at stake with you know, tied into it and his integrity. If he's if he's the CEO essentially or the shot caller there, or uh, whereas YouTube is this faceless corporate entity, 
Uh, and there, there are advantages and disadvantages to both. Um, I also want to make sure, we're, if we can, we get on Brideon. I forgot to mention this one last week. Uh, but Mike Adams' website, we at least need to look into this. But I, I just want to let the audience know here that we are looking for a distribution intern to handle getting our content out there. I have no particular attachment. Uh, I, I do have a silver YouTube play button plaque somewhere. I still got to hang out. I don't know if I want to hang that one up in the studio. It's like, it, it's, it's oh, man, so many mixed feelings about YouTube. It's like like an ex you can't get out of your life. Why would I put their picture on the wall in my office? Uh, but, yeah, when we hit 100,000 subs, I got a little plaque from them. Uh, but I, I, I want to be on, you know, as many platforms as are worth someone clicking and uploading our content <coughs> And if, if we're, we're looking for a, a, an intern who can be working from anywhere that, that they have good internet, uh, where they can they can basically work with CJ on that side, so CJ can get the first uploads out, and then you can take over, and we can give you access to running all of these other accounts for us, and you know be monitoring where that content is getting an audience, and you know, that sort of thing, where it's worthwhile. Uh, and what do you want to add for that, CJ? Yeah, one last thing before I hop off here and we get to the news. Um, our debate manager, Mercedes, wants you also know that once we get on to Rumble, we can also use that as a way for make them debate and see if we can get Dan Bongino to debate Adam Kokesh on maybe censorship. I don't know. Maybe a great idea. Um, maybe you guys can talk about why he invests in another platform, why in your story about censorship with this show and this brand, and, and see if maybe Rumble – can offer that free market solution to the big tech censorship that he claims it should be. So, I mean, ultimately, if we bring the audience that we had on YouTube over to there, and you have the same numbers that you do there that you do here, you, I mean, again, you'd be competing on the trending list every every week. So, um, but uh, YouTube artificially shuts us down over, you know, uh, that which shall not be named. And now all of a sudden, uh, you go ahead, Jim, hit it. Um, and, and next thing you know, next thing you, know uh, you know, this it, it tanks your livelihood. And in and in the age of the virus that shall not be named, uh, a lot of people's incomes are going to now depend on that ability to stream and have ad revenue and retail stores online and and merch and and do broadcasts and shows just like this. So it's really at the forefront to get in now. And that's why I think we're, we're going to make a smart move by uploading to Rumble and sharing uh, that Rumble link to your socials, your Facebook and your Twitter, and uh, promoting our Rumble channel as an alternative to YouTube. Uh, so that's just for that today. And so um, look for that there, rumble.com forward slash Adam Kokesh, and that's all I got, sir. All right. Jim, any more okay. comments before we get to our, uh, our political block here? Uh, Matt Baxley points out that the rays of freedom are bright today. Is your screen frozen? Because uh, it looked uh, you got light coming in from the freedom logo. Well, your finger blocked it now. It looked great. You messed it up. There it is. <laughs> oh wow! Oh. Yeah. I can't really it see. You out, but it's real angelic looking. It's all you know, oh. majestic and etc. Let me. Let me. Uh, let me. I'll, I'll pull it up on my screen. I can monitor myself this way. All right. Any other uh, critical comments before we get to our, our main political headline block? Um, 
Um, let's get to the political head block. I'll go through the comments and pick out the best ones for the next round. Yeah, all right. We should, well, what do we, what, what's our what's our standing contest now? Uh, I don't think we have a call-in contest when we have a guest that day. That's up to you, though. Okay, no contest today. But if you say something really awesome in the comments, we might retroactively make it a contest, declare you the Perfect. winner, and give you membership in the producers club. How about that? All right. <clears throat> Our first headline is from Prond.com. And this is from the Washington Post, Rosalind S. Hellerman and Elisa Vebeck. Not exactly taking this as, uh, you know, uh, the Washington Post is some unbiased source. So, you know, everything with a grain of salt here. And I'll, I'll jump ahead from this headline to the conclusion. The headline is how dozens of judges across the, spe- the political spectrum Oh, that, that, those words make me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. How dozens of judges across the political spectrum rejected Trump's efforts to overturn the election. And, and, and this, uh, th- there's a very comforting narrative for me, even here as a libertarian, to go, oh, is it over? It's over. It's, it, it, as of the four stabbings in DC this weekend, uh, maybe, maybe it's over. Maybe this will, uh, take the wind out of the sails of, of this destructive, uncomfortable, negative news narrative that has dominated headlines since the November voting. I don't want to say the November election because the election of 2020 is ongoing and yet to be fully settled. Of course, we have the runoffs in Georgia still happening in January for the U.S. Senate to determine control of that body. But jumping ahead here, it, it does look like this headline is relatively fair. The, the one thing this story leaves out is how many judges are still considering or having. And I, I'm not. I mean, you guys know me. I'm not. I think. I, I think it's safe for me to defend Trump when he deserves to be defended, or Biden when he does, because it's clear that I don't have. A, a horse in the race. I don't, I, I genuinely, I mean, with, I'm trying to think, few local exceptions, I don't care whether the red flavored fascism party or the blue flavored fascism party wins more elections in the United States. It, it, it really doesn't matter to me. And I'm not defending Trump here, but specifically the strategy. And I've, I, you know, people who dismiss Trump or, or any of the opposition in these silly bipartisan arguments, people who are cunning and, and effective, to dismiss them as dumb, it, it really is discrediting. Trump is not dumb here. There are a lot of reasons for him to do this. And I, I want to defend his strategy uh, before I get into the story in two ways. One, that anything he can do to say, I am rightfully president, is good for his brand, is good for his political leverage, is good for his long-term political uh, 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 ambitions. If he wants to run again in 24, he would be eligible. It would be really uh, just very, very, who knows what's going to happen with that. But, But also legally, in terms of this story, he really only needs one judge to, to intervene. And of course, if it, now it's, I know it's more complicated than that. And if you go back to the 
uh, Bush v. Gore uh, 2000 presidential election, it was uh, there, there was a process of it getting from state courts to the Supreme Court and back to state courts in terms of deciding where the count was going to stop, basically. And uh, in, in this case, if Trump got one judge at the state level to uh, to do anything meaningful for his chances or to, to, to overturn the results, then it, it would, the, the Democrats, you know, Biden's legal team, would be right there to appeal, to take it up to the Supreme Court. And it, it wouldn't be as simple as, oh, he got one piece of spaghetti to stick to the wall. But there, there is that element to his strategy as well, as well in a serious sense here. So to the story, they are both elected and appointed, selected by Democrats and Republicans alike. Some have served for decades, while others took the bench only months ago. One is a former high school teacher, another the first Native American woman appointed to a federal judgeship. The third worked for years uh, for a Republican governor who has been a vocal supporter of President Donald Trump. Since the November election, they have all ruled in court against Trump or one of his allies, seeking to challenge or overturn the presidential vote in a remarkable show of near unanimity across the nation's judiciary, at least 86 judges. Now, they don't say out of how many, and, and this is it has just a little bit of uh, liberal dishonesty, disingenuous, and, uh, to me, this speaks to, to the bias in the story, because they didn't, they said, hey, look, we counted how many judges have rejected Trump, but did we count how many have accepted him or are considering? Now, I, again, I, I hate to sound like I'm defending Trump here because I'm really not. Uh, but uh, they, they did point out that there was one who something, but it was not really significant, and one who was still considering. Uh, but 38 of these judges were appointed by Republicans. Um, with some writing steering opinion, just as an example here, the latest example came Saturday when federal district judge Brett H. Ludwig, a Trump nominee who took the bench in September, dismissed a lawsuit filed by the president that sought to throw out the election results in Wisconsin, calling the request extraordinary. Quote, a sitting president who did not prevail in his bid for re-election has asked for, a, for federal court help in setting aside the popular vote based on disputed issues of election administration, issues he plainly could have raised before the vote occurred. This court has allowed plaintiff the chance to make his case, and he has lost on the merits. Uh, Trump asked for the rule of law to be followed, Ludwig noted, adding, it has been. You know, there's, there's another effect of this, because uh, of, of Trump resisting here. It, it it does take the wind out of the sails of the Biden supporters' celebration or the anti-Trumpers celebrating that he lost. Well, I, well, we don't really we, we haven't given up yet, and you know they're going to have to kick him and kick him and kick him, and and this is the, this is it. But they but they don't get to kick him. Oh, he's out, he's down and out. Uh, there is that animosity, that infantile animosity uh, among. The, the hyper-partisans and the polarized in politics today. So, uh, Trump is still saying, this was December 10th, quote from him, uh, this on, on Twitter, the Supreme Court has a chance to save our country from the greatest election abuse in the history of the United States. 78% of the people feel, no, the election was rigged. 
Yeah. So, uh, back to the story. Since the November 3rd vote, Trump supporters insisted to be given a chance to challenge the result in court. And even just lately, I mean, just the last part of this element of this of the, this narrative, this disgusting, embarrassing national moment, uh, National Post as our next headline, Trump files motion to argue in person before U.S. Supreme Court that he won election. Uh, and, and this is uh, from Reuters. If the justices let Trump join a Texas lawsuit, it would create the extraordinary circumstance of a president asking the top court to decide that millions of votes did not count. Obviously, there's a bias right there in in the sub-headline, because is that what Trump is doing? No, he's not saying these votes shouldn't count. He's saying that they're not legitimate votes in the first place, or that, that it was the, uh, the number is the product of fraud. Uh, but this is President Trump in 17 U.S. states on Wednesday threw their support behind a long-shot lawsuit by Texas seeking to overturn his election loss by asking the U.S. Supreme Court to throw out the voting results in four states. But it looks like now that is not going to happen, despite the protests. And uh, what we saw with the demonstration over the weekend, led at least partly by Proud Boys, featuring Alex Jones, uh, Michael Flynn, uh, at the uh, protesters, counter-protesters, BLM and Antifa were there, apparently. And four staff, 33 arrested as Trump supporters, counter-protesters, clashed in downtown D.C. is the headline from NBC Washington. Groups of demonstrators from Saturday's rallies in support of President Trump skirmished with local protest groups along the K Street corridor near Black Lives Matter Plaza. And this is just so dumb. So dumb. Nine people injured, four stabbed, 33 arrests. Uh, how infantile. How, how stupid, how, how petty to fight in the streets like this. And this is where we saw, I mean, there were very fine people on both sides. No, they're disgusting immature products of political propaganda and manipulation on all sides of these bullshit street fights. And I don't want to say, yeah, there's no such thing as bad people. I get it. I don't want to, I don't want to give that up here. But, no, this is not people being their best. This is not people being very fine people, as, as Trump famously called the uh, people there in Charlottesville at the Unite the Right rally. Uh, years ago, uh, this is just uh, the product of the worst polarization of the American people. And, and I, I mean, this is, it's a small minority. There's a lot of infiltrators on both sides, very disgusting people. Uh, th- there is manipulation. Remember, I, and I just, I have to point out that, like, we've uncovered how some of these things are possible from uh, the incident where uh, a Russian troll farm made a protest and a counter-protest happen in the U.S. And you go, uh, really? Are we are we that freaking gullible? Are, are Americans so thoughtless and, and emotionally driven when it comes to politics? Maybe. Well, given that that's the case, 
I, I think we should turn to uh, none other than South Park for a good laugh to round out this political block. Uh, found this through Mashable.com. South Park creators deep fake. Donald Trump web series is eerie and hilarious. CJ, um, let's let's roll this tape. Four minutes. We interrupt our normal programming for coverage of the presidential address live from the White House. Hi, kids. I'm Donald Trump, your president, and I'm going to read you a story. It's a very special story about a very special reindeer. Once upon a time, in the forest, there was a little reindeer. All the reindeers agreed he was the best reindeer out of all the reindeers. The next day, a grumpy old sleepy-eyed reindeer came into town and started saying, you know the reindeer who's awesome? You know what? He's not, he's not awesome. But he is awesome. Every All the reindeers said, but he's awesome. I think that we should have an election. I mean, like a vote to see who is the best out of all the reindeers. Why do we need an election? We don't need an election. Everyone knows I'm the best. The forest has never been better. But he demanded an election. So they went to the North Pole and asked Santa. And he said, Oh, 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 what is it, my reindeers? Santa is a little busy. It is the run-up to Christmas, after all, <laughs> said Santa. The mean, sleepy-eyed reindeer walked up to Santa and said, I want an election. I want to prove that I'm better than this guy who thinks he's the best. I am the best, and everybody knows I'm the best. And Santa looked up from the toys that he was painting and said, What silliness is this? An election? In the run-up to Christmas? Anyway, everybody knows he's the best reindeer, said Santa, chuckling. I won an election. The cool, awesome reindeer said, Okay, I agree, we'll do it. But only if you can promise that it's not rigged and it's not a fix. And the big day came in the forest and the election happened. People started, they started cheating. The numbers changed. 300,000 in just Pennsylvania. And that's the million. And who owns shares in the company, Dominion? And they say, he won. he's won. He won the election, and he did not win the election. He didn't win because they cheated. And they, I, I fought an honest election. And you know what happened to the little reindeer? He died. And they all cheered his death. It was so sad. Nobody knew what happiness was anymore. And there was no Christmas ever again. This has been Channel 9 Cheyenne's coverage of the presidential address. We now return to normal program.
Hello? Oh, I guess the screen froze on me. Excuse me. Welcome back. I hope that was fun. Or no? All right, there we go. So one last headline before we get to our comments and our guests today we, and, and our blog. Uh, the Daily Wire has this. President Trump claims he will declassify everything over Democrat lying and treason. Now, remember, this is the president who promised and then changed his mind on declassifying the uh, JFK assassination files. Uh, if only this were true, but there are too many people who, uh, in, in the deep state who he has somehow failed to root out who uh, would have a gun to his head as soon as he threatened to declassify anything important. But this is specifically over his apparent concern that the Department of Justice and Attorney General William Barr withheld information about an ongoing DOJ investigation into Hunter Biden, the son of Democratic President. Yeah, 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 okay. Um, if only that were the case. If only we had declassified documents to look forward to. All right, let's go to comment. Jim Freedom, checking with the audience again. What do we have for comments on uh, on any of that? People weighing in on partisan silliness. I, I hope people in my audience know better. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, we got an LOL. I know this is good while we were playing that video. Uh, that was pretty yeah. funny. That, that part where he was, uh, he, he cheated <laughs> when he started getting excited. It was just, well, that's a crazy fake. That's a, that's that's what they call a deep fake. That's what they mean when they say deep fake. Because that was a really good one. That was a like an obvious Photoshop, but it was. Well, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it was it was good enough that yeah. Certainly, I mean, the point is, it a casual viewer. If you saw a clip of that, uh, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That could that could fool some people for sure. I, I could. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, Craig Darty says it's not over till the vast majority see the status BS on both parties and reject it. Well, that, yeah. I guess to the bigger point. Thank you. Uh, as long as enough Americans buy into this, it's going to get worse. Like it's just yeah. Yeah. Beatings will continue until morale improves, in other words. That's how it goes down. It's horrible. Uh, Debbie Hart, well, I think she may be referring to what I was saying, says, excuse me, then Black Lives Matter and Antifa were looting and burning down cities. Not one Democrat condemned it, and President Trump did all the time. Oh. Yeah, no, I, well, I, no I, I think she's just pointing out that there's a dichotomy or there's a there's an interesting just parallel, at least, between uh, BLM as a movement uh, engaging in property destruction and now it's Proud Boys engaging in property destruction, although on a pettier scale by far. Um, but, yeah, it, it's that both sides are getting infantile. And the way both parties or old parties sort of figure and talk about it is uh, completely hypocritical, right? That, uh, you know, uh, now, right now, Democrats are complaining about uh, Proud Boys in D.C. stealing and burning BLM signs, right? But uh, if you want to draw an exact parallel, there were certainly instances around BLM 
where they were uh, stealing and, and I don't know about burning, but at least destroying uh, Trump signs. And if you condemn one and not the other, you're a hypocrite. And when, they, when the Republicans and Democrats go, look at them, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. I go, yeah, you're both right. Accurate. Uh-oh. All right, any other critical comments before we get to our guest? Is our guest of it? Do I, is our guest backstage? Our guest is backstage and ready, so we should, uh, we should make that. All right, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us today is Alan Stevo. He is the author of Face Masks in One Lesson. And uh, a huge endorsement. Walter Block was uh, said about this in his endorsement. What does Stevo's writing mean to me all the world? Our good friend Walter Block, Professor Block. So this, this book, uh, available on Amazon, provides the ultimate response to mandatory masking. And, you know, when, when I first heard about Alan and, and, and this book, and we've, we've been trying to get him on for a proper interview for a while now, um, I was I was kind of hoping this wouldn't be an issue, man. I was really hoping, like, if this, we would be, we would be, we, we would have, haven't we flattened the curve by now, man? The curve of tyranny, the curve of bullshit, the curve of propaganda. No, uh, this, this mask thing, it does look like it is going to be an issue with us. Uh, for a long time to come, one way or another, and certainly will be relevant if they try uh, either to extend this racket with a, a mutation of the virus or some other new virus, who knows when in the future. So, again, the book, the book is Face Masks in One Lesson, The Ultimate Response to Mandatory Masking and Really an Irreplaceable Tool. Uh, now, Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we jump into this, Tell us a bit about yourself and, and what background might have led you to, to decide to write such a book. Thanks, Adam. Uh, just just like you were saying, I, I'd i like the book to grow obsolete as quickly as possible, really. I'd like us to get <laughs> on this. And I, when I started writing stuff about this in March, I did not expect that uh, we'd still be here. Uh, I think no matter what the, uh, the folks were saying about 18-month lockdowns, I just didn't think that it would happen. Uh, so uh, I, uh, I've been writing about topics of personal freedom, uh, including health freedom, for about 15 years now. I'm a syndicated columnist. I write in lots of print publications. Uh, I write – this year I've written 40 or maybe 50 pieces so far at lourockwell.com um, and was active in Ron Paul 2008, 2012, and Rand Paul 2016. And uh, these have been important topics to me. So when the lockdowns – started to uh, become suggested. Uh, I was paying attention, and and uh, I watched, unfortunately, a lot of uh, my most vocal uh, smaller government and ANCAP and libertarian friends just kind of uh, shrink and uh, call for lockdowns. And that, that, that was a bummer to see, and it uh, was motivating, too. Um, because I knew I knew there had to be more people standing up and uh, saying, "Hey, hey, we gotta we gotta stick to our principles, even when we're scared. It's okay to be scared. We can figure this out." Yeah, and no, I, I share your sentiment there. It's it, kind of disappointing that it seems like a missed opportunity for the libertarians to have stood up and taken some leadership. In, in contrast to the old parties. Uh, and, and there are, you know, I, I gotta be humble though. I, I don't like, there are a lot of people when you say stuff like that is, 
you know, people I consider colleagues that I'm just like, ah, uh, there's no face palm big enough. Uh, but but I, I also you know, look back at my own history with this and go, so, like, Adam, you thought you had the virus for a minute there. You know, like, you know, I, I fell for a lot of it. It, it, it. No matter what, when they when there's this overwhelming storm of, of propaganda, you're going to be misled by some of it. And it's interesting that we, we both kind of misread the timing on this one early on. Um, and, and I think everybody did. I don't think, you know, you know but, but we both thought it was going to be over a little bit uh, sooner. I mean, at least it would be kind of winding down by now. And it does look like it is winding down at least uh, to to the vaccine phase of this crisis. But they're saying that might even be years away. So what do you think about the current, before we get to your book and, and masks specifically, what do you think of the general resistance that we're seeing to COVID right now? You know, the gym owners in New Jersey, uh, the, the restaurant uh, owners in California, uh, we, we see protests uh, around the world in different forms, people saying just one way or another, I mean, we're not going to put up with this. All the other protests, we were going, don't wear masks and say, no, nah, this is more important. Uh, and, and how does that, what, what does that bode for the momentum of, of this larger coronavirus racket? You know, uh, there's this essay, Isaiah's Job, that, that kind of uh, written in the 1940s maybe that says, don't look for mass movements. Look for look for changing individual hearts and minds. Um, that that this is where the remnant needs to be sought out. This this group of people that that will be there no matter how bad society gets. They'll be kind of true to their values and and seeking to to rebuild the world the way they know it. And this this is really just kind of put a spotlight. This year has put a spotlight, and it's been a gift in some ways on who's serious, who's most serious, and it's okay. It's okay to get afraid for for a time and to maybe uh, to to hide in the background. There's nothing wrong with that. No one's perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. Nothing wrong with that at all. Well, uh, like like I learned from snowboarding as a kid, if you don't fall every now and then, you're not challenging yourself. Amen. This year, you've talked about you talked about restaurant owners. You talked about uh uh other businesses, gym owners, and you know. In California, they say there's 500 churches open right now. There's a, a group suing the government. Yes, thank you. Got to respect churches resisting right now. Amazing. Many, many churches have cowered and virtue signaled as loudly as they can. Um, but there's this small group that is just, they say, hey, it's Sunday. We're meeting. That's how it goes. That's that's what we do. And there's just so many people just standing up. And it's it's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. Um, and I hear from my uh, vaccine safety friends that there's no work that they had been able to do in the past that could have grown their ranks the way they've been grown this year. Because people would just, unless you're having a child, you don't ask questions like, well, why would you give a hepatitis B vaccine within three hours of a baby coming out? Why is that necessary? Or, uh, uh, how safe does this does this uh, DTaP vaccine look really against other vaccines? Right, you don't ask these kinds of questions. Suddenly, they're being asked in the mainstream. And yeah. the same I've heard about my homeschooling friend for my homeschooling friends. You could never have grown the ranks the way they were grown this year, and the way they will probably continue to grow for some time. So there's yes. things you can see in this this evil 
that we can be super proud of. So how, just to the momentum of this and the timing, how how long, I mean, do you expect, the, the general sort of obvious narrative right now is that vaccines are coming out, uh, you know, first one delivered today in the United States, and that it's, it, it's going to be a few years before we, we, before we can get them out to everybody to get to the, some sort of, you know, critical mass uh, of, of immunity of some kind. Uh, but things are going to be in, in some various form of, of reduced uh, or, 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 you know, stepping down lockdown. Well, in some places, oh, you know, the lockdowns are going to have to get worse. But overall, that, that that's the arc of this thing, you know, two to five years. Uh, I saw in, in, in one story, uh, just some, who knows, expert quoted, two to five years before we get to that point with vaccines. Um, the, the the science behind this vaccine is so unknown. Um, Anybody trying to tell you otherwise is bullshitting you, right? <laughs> it's uh, sad how much BS there is out there right now. Um, so... I, I just don't believe I don't believe anything being being said out there in the media about this topic right now. And uh, even two to five years, I don't know. What I what I know is this: these lockdowns they don't end in May. They were talking about our our two to three week lockdowns in May. They were saying, oh, we need to have a blue ribbon panel and who should decide how to best uh, stop the lockdowns to make society normal again, help society be normal again. And it was just. You don't need a 38-member blue ribbon committee to tell you how to live life again. You just, one person at a time, we just go back to normal. We stop wearing the masks like I recommend the book. We say, no, I'm not going to take your silly vaccine. I'm going to go to the grocery store. If the grocery store doesn't want me, I'm going to go to the next grocery store. Whatever it is, life goes back to normal. You see grandma on Thanksgiving. You deal with what happens. Life gets to normal again. That's it. That's how this all ends. It doesn't need to take years or months. It can happen today in your own life. There, there are mm. people who've been living normal since 9-11. And you are, you are a, a, a person who has stood up for a long, long time. You've been exercising your muscles. And if some people, they've been laying in bed since 9-11. They've been saying, you know what? Government came along and said, okay, child, go to the bedroom. We got this from here. And they laid in bed. You lay in bed for 20 years. What happens to your muscles? They atrophy. You try to get up and do jumping jacks, you fall down. Your muscles don't know what's going on, and people like you, Adam, are out there. They've never done. They've never gone and done the the pose of submission, the 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 I surrender pose at TSA. They've never raised their hands in the air, and when they saw this face mask coming, they figured out loopholes as quickly as they could about the the I surrender pose. When they saw the face mask coming, they said, "Oh, another government scam to get me to do something I don't want to do." Yeah, I I went. These same kind of people, they did 40 trips a year back and forth through TSA, never did the I surrender pose, had uh, government thugs with badges yelling at them about how they're terrorists and baby killers. These people who've been exercising their muscles since 9-11, they thought nothing of this face mask. And right now, any of us can step forward and say, hey, I'm not going to take the face. I'm not going to wear this face mask anymore. I'm going to live a higher standard. And this is this opportunity to kind of exercise some of those muscles. And I worry, maybe I'm wrong, hopefully I'm wrong, I worry anyone who will wear the face mask will take the vaccine. 
Well, I hope it's not. I think there's a lot more skepticism about the vaccines than than the masks because you can you can take off a mask. You can't take a vaccine out of your body, right? So, but but to the masks, and I, by the way, I love that the the TSA and and mask parallel. That that's a really good comparison to draw. To the history first this year, as I've said, it's so important that we, the people, write the history rather than letting the authorities do it. Because if the authorities do it, their version of it will be, well, when we realized that the virus was a threat, we immediately put in place appropriate guidelines for mask wearing and requested that our citizens comply without coercing them at all. And and by and large, they, they followed along. And and we were able to flatten the curve because of this brave intervention by we, the government. Uh, wh- wh- what's your version of that story? That's so. This has been it's a norm throughout. Government always wants us to believe that there's no resistance. That what government did made the most sense possible. And this is just uh, a constant story that you, you'll have people who will say to you, "Hey, why don't we?" Why don't we uh, go go and uh, uh, look back in history and say, oh, what if great-grandpa would have just opposed the income tax? What if great-grandpa would have just opposed the Fed or, or the confiscation of gold? I, I, why didn't anyone stand up then? We would have been in a different situation. No, people were standing up. This is this – is, there's mm-hmm. all resistance. When, but but the, the powers that be want you to believe, oh, no. Why is great grandpa? He wouldn't have stood up to an idea like that. Everyone loved the idea so much there was no resistance ever. And this is this is part of what part of what uh, is taking place this year that that constantly there's this gaslighting of people where they're told that 18 year old kid at Trader Joe's is now a frontline worker when he's, uh, when he's yelling at a grandma about a face mask like there's no more twisted and the, the 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 real heroes the, the the real heroes of this year the stories of them haven't totally been written yet but you're telling some of them Adam and right, these are the people who stir up their governors these are the people who give their governors heartburn that their governors will never acknowledge but their governors know every time a new YouTube video comes out every time there's a protest outside their their home at dinner time they know oh it's that person again isn't it. Right, you got people like that in Idaho. You got people like that in California, even where where you go twenty miles in from the coast, and it's like a different state. You won't even believe. It. Most people wouldn't believe it. Um, this this is being written right now. This history, and we must look for this resistance and praise this resistance everywhere around us because it's so special right now. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I don't want to do as much as we can with this platform to share those stories and interview people who are resisting with their businesses and, and uh, the mandate specifically. But, but Alan, to the, uh, to the narrative here, uh, how did we get to, the, to, to this point with mask mandates and, and how bad is it? Uh, I, there, there's some arguments about, well, in most places it's not even enforced. What's the big deal? You know, it's uh it's setting it's setting such a precedent, um, and this is this is really horrific. Just the idea you have medicine, you have public health, and the two ideas are drastically different. Public health wants there to be no difference as much as possible, 
and there's plenty of technocrats in medicine who are just they couldn't even fathom what the difference would be. But but if you look at medicine, and there's plenty of problems with medicine as it's practiced, but if you look at medicine in its ideal, we go back 2,500 years to the Hippocratic Oath and before then, where you have one doctor and one patient, and it's the two of them together against the world. And that's the notion of medicine. There's so much more into it, but but this is just foundational to the concept of medicine. And then in this, like, really, this period where some just unpleasant philosophical concepts arise in the world, 1870s, 1880s, you have uh, this idea of public health come along. And it wasn't called public health at the beginning. They came up with that nice sounding name because who would oppose health? But public health is this plebiscite. Instead of you and the doctor against the world, public health is this plebiscite. Um, Your neighbor's voting about what Adam's medical care should look like. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is just total 180 from what medicine is. And right now we're learning. We're learning. You got you got public health officials in 3,000 counties, um, 3,000 plus counties in the U.S. What is what does a a country look like? A relatively free country. What's that relatively free country look like if suddenly on the Ides of March 2020 you let the public health officials uh, run that country? with very little check on their power. What suddenly happens? And we're seeing, right, you descend in this horrific corona communism that, that I would never, in the USSR, the, the openly atheist state run by the openly atheist communist government was never able to close the churches. I would never have imagined this could happen in the United States. I'm totally wrong. And if the church is going to be closed, that means that every NRA member's gun can be confiscated too. Maybe not everyone, but a lot more than I would imagine, I think, can be confiscated. Um, and it, it bodes very poorly. How many people can you get to wear a mask that is is demonstrated in CDC journals, like Emerging Infectious Disease, May 2020, a fantastic study from Zhao, that the mask not only doesn't work, but the mask may be, have negative impact on the wearer, negative impact on society, not negative impact on the wearer, forgive me, negative impact on society. The It doesn't even go into questions like, it does go into questions like, could this exacerbate the spread? Yes, it could to wear uh, masks improperly. It, it may be better to wear no mask. It doesn't ask questions like, how does this impact the wearer? It doesn't ask questions like, what does it do to a child to suddenly not see faces anymore, not see facial expressions, to only see this small portion of a p- person's face, many people around them? We're not asking mm-hmm. questions like this. We're instead experimenting on our children. We're experimenting on society in real time, which isn't just. This is not appropriate. We've opened up a really... Horrific door. Adam, earlier we were talking about precedent a little bit. May I, may I read a 30-second, it might be 45-second, uh, story from my book, an email sent in from a reader at, at Lou Rock. This is, to me, it's just a, a beautiful account. Um, and and I, wrote a, I wrote a piece at Lou Rockwell. It was something along the lines of uh, the story they want you to believe, that no one resisted. And it was essentially what I said a few moments ago that, that this is the, the constant narrative. No one resisted. Everyone believed it. Grandpa grandpa followed along. Um, but all over the U.S., your family might have it. Other families might. I, I know numerous families that have this. They have coins from the Depression era, golden coins. And if you ever come across a family like this, you need to say to them, oh, so in 1933, your grandfather 
had so little faith in Roosevelt and the federal government that he was willing to hang on to this gold coin even though he could end up in jail. Is that what this gold coin is signifying? Yes, that's what the gold coin is signifying. But I promise you, the New York Times reading family is not saying to themselves, whoa, Grandpa really hated Roosevelt a lot. <laughs> Maybe he didn't hate him. Maybe he just didn't trust government that much as they, they'd like us to think today. Here's what one reader wrote. Dear Mr. Stevo, in 1933, when Roosevelt closed the banks, my great-grandfather, Marian, Mar- Marian Hezekiah Kai Holden, Old Man Hendricks, and Old Man Chitwood, that's all I ever heard them called, saddled their horses and rode into town, Atoka, Oklahoma. When they arrived at the bank, they pinwheeled the horses up to the front door. Each man had a Winchester laying across the saddle horn. There was a U.S. Marshal on either side of the door. Old Man Hendricks got down and went into the bank and withdrew all his deposits in gold and silver coin. He returned and remounted. Then Kai did likewise, followed by Chitwood. They were the only ones that got their gold and silver deposits out of the bank. The U.S. Marshals never moved. Be blessed. We can all be doing that right now. Mark Twain, Mark Twain and Huck Finn tells a story about how one brave man can shout down a lynch mob of 10,000 because they get their number, their, their courage from the numbers. They don't have their courage inside of them. It takes a lot of guts to do the kind of things you do sometimes, Adam. And you come under a lot of criticism from all over the place. And as far as I can tell, that doesn't stop you because you have self-esteem. You don't really care what most people think of you. And I think there's a lot of people who have been studying good libertarian ideas for a long time who are so well positioned to use those libertarian ideas right now. And if they're unable to say, it's time for me to step up and lead, it's time for me to have the courage, it's time for me to be ready to shout down any lynch mob that comes up, if it's 10,000, 100,000, no matter how big, I have the self-esteem to say, I don't care what you think of me. There's a wonderful author, Stephen Baskerville. He writes, uh, he who is afraid to anger or offend is not yet a man. It doesn't matter if you anger anyone. It doesn't matter if someone gets offended. That's not the point of any of this. You got to be yourself. You got to tell your truth. That's it. And the world really needs a few more people who get it to step up right now. To be a little bit more like like the courageous uh, and self-esteem filled, I'm going to say, in a very positive way. I mean that, Adam Kokesh. Um, I, I, I have praise for, I'm not, Adam, I bet there's 10 million things you've done that I don't like, but I have great admiration for people who have courage. And there's, there's Alex Jones. There's plenty of things he does that I don't like. The man has courage. That's a man we need right now as an example. And we can uh, channel more of that inner in us right now. Well, I would say uh, while what you say is true about Alex, uh, he seems to have succumbed to the fear of the duopoly to support Trump as of late. And I would say it's uh, quite a disgusting fall from courage on his part in that sense. But, yes, he certainly has the capacity 
And I would I would think in terms of standing up against the mob today, my, my most recent experience is going to Walmart and not wearing a mask or having one even on me specifically. Well, I I think I have a bandana on usually. I mean, I think I wore a mask before it was cool because I used to, I, I, I mean, I still wear, I wear a mask when I'm by myself doing yard work and, and kicking up dust and sawdust and shit like that. You know, I cover my face. Uh, but when I go to Walmart and sometimes, you know, by myself or with one other person, we'll be the only ones in there or, or next to the only ones among hundreds of people and they're all wearing the mask. And I, and, and I think they look to people who are not, you know, we don't get any resistance. I've never, I've never had a problem. Uh, I've, I've been asked to put on a mask at grocery stores. Uh, and, and complied when it's an individual asking me, uh, not someone at the door, you know, doing, oh, we'll pull, do you have a mask, sir? No, I don't. Uh, not, thank you. Uh, but there is, there is a feeling of standing apart from the herd today. And, I, I mean, I kind of want to get into, you said so many more beautiful, inspiring things there, uh, especially stuff about me, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the Efficacy of the masks. If someone says, but, but, but Alan, you know, we needed the masks to flatten the curve. What's your response? That's, that didn't work. The masks don't work. We've known that the masks don't do that. Um, Zhao, Zhao 2020, a study I pointed out already from the CDC journal Emerging Infectious Disease of May 2020, um, goes into, it, it reviews 14 um, randomized controlled trials uh, with laboratory confirmed results. It doesn't use PCR testing. This is a, a flawed method of testing, uh, as has been pointed out over and over again this year. It uses uh, good testing. These are gold standard studies. They, they said, Zhao said, COVID-19 looks very serious. We need to stop looking at, uh, at the talismans, the amulets. We have to stop with the uh, superstition. We need to figure out what is oh in the we need to figure out what's the science saying and Zhao does this and Zhao 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 said Zhao goes so far as to say hey washing your hands for COVID it's not doing anything folks it might prevent a gastrointestinal disease that could uh, be a secondary infection Zhao Zhao covers a lot of territory and says listen we got to do the things that work and we got to stop with this idea that that a mask works then go hold on, hold on to the to the hand washing thing alan this is something i genuinely had not heard though is this i mean i i'm i'm a bit of a germaphobe and I, I i used to before before corona uh or karina uh i was you know like a little above average germophobia and now i'm like way below average but that's like a i like the, the, the people are more germ conscious to me that's a good thing. If you and and I, I we covered the story uh, last week that Americans are actually fucking up their hands by washing them and and using too much sanitizer. Too much. It, it's just like yeah, it, it, for a significant portion of the population, it's manically overdoing it. But I have not heard a, any scientific refutation of the idea that you can transmit uh, a disease like this through uh, physical contact and, and touching your face and that washing your hands then makes sense. 
as uh, a preventative. Are you saying that now, like scientifically, they have proven that for COVID, hand washing isn't even relevant? So there's issues. There's issues like your hands should be sterile when you're putting on a face mask. There's no question there. And Zhao Zhao goes through, into things like, hey, uh, and tell me if you ever seen anyone follow the protocol that that should be followed in in uh, that is followed in any kind of study where they're they're trying to prove efficacy of face masks. Uh, your hands should be sterile. The face mask is one use only. Um, the face mask should be clean when it goes on your face. If you touch your nose and mouth while wearing the face mask, that face mask has to be changed. If the face mask gets moist, the the face mask should be changed. So people don't follow follow this. It's it's not. No one can even pretend that a face mask hanging from your rearview mirror that that has been used for three weeks is efficacious. Um, so there's value to washing your hands, but the idea that the act of hand washing reduces uh, on its own is to reduce COVID transmission. This is this certainly needs far more study for someone to conclude that it reduces COVID transmission. Specifically on the area of placing a face mask on, it makes a face mask less efficacious if your hands are dirty. Right. No, the idea is, I mean, you're getting... You're getting gastrointestinal illnesses from your hand is, is the, major, the major reason we wash our hands. We, we use them – we wash them after we use the bathroom, right? That's, that's an important time to wash your hands. sometimes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> for, the, for the true germophobes among us. Okay, so I, I, a couple more devil's advocate questions here about masks. Adam, uh, this doesn't even go into the microbiome of the body, which we so poorly understand. What you're doing to your own – the, the, the own defenses, your natural defenses on your hands, in your gut, when you wash them so much, when you're around sanitizer so much. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see uh, a lot of the long-term effects of this as we see little waves and trends over the next few years. But just just a couple, couple more devil's advocate questions for you here, Alan. Uh, well, if masks are completely ineffective, you know, why do uh, why do doctors wear masks? And at very least, isn't it a reasonable precaution, even if I'm wearing the same dirty bandana, you know, week after week that I have my bandana and when I'm within six feet of people, I pull it up so I don't accidentally sneeze on them? You know, I think uh, you're, you're taking on, in that question, you're taking on a lot of the mainstream media narrative. Um, of course. And I, uh, I don't devil's advocate here. I want you. I, okay. I gave it to you that way deliberately. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's not useful. These these masks, the dirty mask, can can possibly transmit disease. It is surely having other societal impacts that we have not even considered. What we're doing right now is studying, running experiments on our children in real time. Uh, we're running experiments population wide in real time. It's it's not appropriate. That's not how free people live. So my policy has been that uh, I will never wear a mask proactively, uh, and, and I would consider responding to a sign proactive, no matter how nasty the sign is at, at Home Depot or at the gas station or Target, whatever, that says, you can't come in without a mask. It's for your safety and the safety of our or our staff, uh, you know, but if, if someone 
you know, if I'm, like I said, if I'm out and about, you know, I, I often, I'll wear a bandana anyway, you know, like around my neck, I can pull it up over my nose at any time and, and take it off, no big deal. Uh, but that I would wear it, and, and I will wear it if someone individually asks me to, or or, uh, or someone representing uh, a store owner, private property. Uh, and if if I, you know, I might I might comply and say, you know, I, I disagree, but I'll do this at your request, and you know, be polite and friendly about it. And if uh, if I can take my business elsewhere, I, you know, I might do that. But if I if I can't. Uh, you know, it's not the end of the world, right, to wear a mask, you know, because, you know, just because someone shouldn't be afraid doesn't mean we should pretend that they're not afraid or, or, or poke at their fears, right? Does that make sense with your understanding as kind of a personal policy for masks? I'm, uh, I'd like to know what, what can I do to get Adam Kokesh to never wear a mask again. Um, my book, Face Masks in One Lesson, it it goes into this. It goes how into how to never wear a mask again. And it's not just why. That's everywhere. Why to do it, why not to do it, blah, blah, blah. This is really like some really, at the grocery store, what do you do? If someone says this back to you, what has worked in the past for others? This is from many, many emails from readers back and forth, figuring out this topic. Uh, if you're called to jury duty, what do you do about a mask? What can you do to not go mask to jury duty? And and what do you do with the dentist's office? And what do you do on an airplane so you never have to wear a mask again? And uh, school, work, things like this. And this is I, I'm. What do I have to do for you, Adam, to say? Yeah, maybe it is a big deal. This mask. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this okay well there's there's one next step of resistance that i've had because this is when it gets to an individual asking and i i sometimes say well i don't think you're at like if i was in your home and you said like i i don't want to say i'll never wear a mask again because even pre-covid if someone said hey in order to come hang out with my grandma you got to wear a mask because she's got some immune thing i'd be like no, all right you know um so I don't want to be that quite, not quite, quite that absolute about it. Uh, but I, I would like to be better at the kind of verbal jujitsu and an application of, of my rights or, you know, declaration or assertion of my rights in those situations. So I've, I've noticed that in a lot of situations, and I, and I do, I do this if, uh, if I'm not in a hurry or if, you know, I, I, there's some other reason. But I'll, I'll say, oh, I, I don't need to wear a mask. I have a medical exemption. And that works most of the time. But occasionally they'll say, okay, well, then get out of the store and we'll serve you at the curb. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, then I'll take my business elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't flown yet uh, since coronaphobia started. And I, I'm actually – we have a, my wife and I have a delayed honeymoon to Hawaii coming up. And I wonder, and, and Hawaii's some of the worst. You know what? I got to get it. We got to get tests before we fly. It's this whole other hoop you got to jump through. And if they say, you know, hey, if you don't have a piece of paper that says you tested negative, you're not getting on the plane. Well, you know, I, I'm going to show up with that piece of paper. I'm not going to show up and try to, you know, risk, well, my, does my Jedi mind trick work? Does, NLP work well. Sometimes it does. Sometimes now I'm not going to put my honeymoon at that risk. 
And if the airline says, oh, no, you can't come in the airport without a mask. If, if, if security is there and saying, no, you can't come in the airport without a mask, uh, well, I have a medical exemption. If that doesn't work, you know, then, then what? You know, and, and so in those situations, I don't know. I, I would like to get better. So what's your advice for, for that, that, that next level where you do have to say, no, no, I have a medical exemption, and because, and, and because that's private, you can't ask me. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, I, and I don't know what to do when that fails. And what you said, what you said about the curb, um, you know, that's a great opportunity to say, well, can I speak to someone else or to, to push back and to say, well, I would like that. That'd be a lot easier for me to just wait at the curb, but I just don't know what you guys have. So I can't really, uh, tell you, tell you exactly what I want. And what, what could happen then is there, you want iced coffee? They're going to go bring you the 18 different cans of iced coffee they have to the curb and say, do you want this one? Do you want this one? How about this one? Here's the ingredients, right? And it's, yeah. they, they will bend over backwards to make sure that they're not violating your rights while demanding that you wear a mask. Some people will do that. Most, when you, at least half that you say back to them, hey, I don't know, uh, there's Hawaii. Hawaii's been, they, they really put faith in those PCR tests. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the masks this is this is very in the this is wow it looks beautiful you're gonna have a great time tomorrow, here hawaii with the pcr tests there was a wonderful letter put out by 22 uh 22 uh researchers and doctors uh well regarded that say these pcr tests don't work when you run it above, I don't remember the threshold they used. I think, think the cycle threshold they said was 35. At, a, at 35, you're going to have a 70% false positive rate. At, 90, at 40, you're going to have a 97% false positive rate on the PCR tests. The entire uh, second wave as we know it right now is being driven by the false positives of the PCR test. Well established um, that, that these false positives, positives exist. PCR tests should not be used. Even taking the PCR test buys into this. I hope you do not have to take a PCR test before going to Hawaii. Um, I know someone who went to Hawaii uh, about two months ago. They, well, they were supposed to go to Hawaii. They went for the PCR test. Uh, they tested positive, as is natural for a test with 97% false positivity. Um, they didn't feel any symptoms. They then became convinced that they were sick because they were COVID positive and got quite sick. And I don't know what kind of placebo effect exists there. I have no idea. But there are lot, there's lots of false positivity. Even agreeing to take a PCR test, I think, is a terrible, a terrible idea. It, it buys into a very bad narrative. Well, I, I mean, I agree, but we, if it comes, I mean, there are a lot of things that, that uh, you know, driving on government roads sucks too, but I still do it, believe it or not. Uh, even though I live down some great private roads here. But with this in particular, if they say, you know, if you don't, like, well, how do I navigate an airport right now? Yeah. Will, will they respect I have a medical exemption and you can't ask? Delta Airlines is the best for that one right now. They have the other airlines have been quite bad. Um, United. United included. United's a little softer than some of the others, but uh, Delta has a 
if you if you know how to ask for it, you show up at the counter and say you have a medical exemption, you're going to say uh, you're going to insist that you have a medical exemption. If you have one, in fact, I don't want to encourage otherwise. Um, if you have a medical exemption, you are to go to the counter and say, hey, I got a medical exemption. Maybe the fifth person who shows up is going to know that they actually have a medical exemption instead of listening to whatever is in the New York Times or Fox News and is going to say, okay, um, those quarantines being shown, that relates to PCR tests. You, you mm-hmm. might have been quarantined for some ungodly amount of time because of this horrific test. Um, okay, back to Delta. They're going to put you on the phone with the doctor. The doctor's job is not to represent you, to be your doctor. The doctor's job is to work for Delta and to convince you to wear a mask. Um, and the doctor may ask you, have a doctor's note. What's your condition? Tell me, tell me this and that. He may ask lots of questions. You might say, I don't really want to talk about it, which is fine for you to say. He's going to say, well, I need you to work with me a little. I'm trying to work with you. I'm trying to figure this out with you. His job is to convince you. And to, he works for Delta. His job is to convince you. Um, I've, I've heard of conditions that doctors respect from uh, lung ailments to COPD to, to heart conditions, uh, panic attacks, um, and headaches, migraines. Um, it can be this conversation with the Delta doctor ends up being kind of a negotiation where the doctor says, okay, uh, you got to wear the mask. You, gotta, you can only take the mask off five minutes out of 30 minutes. Well, can we do five minutes out of 20 minutes? And the doctor might say, no, yes, whatever. And you kind of go from there. Um, another thing that well, can- I would say, go fuck yourself, doc, medical privacy. That, listen, it might work. It might work. I I mean, politely, leaving out the F word. But, you know, with all due respect, doc, no, by medical privacy, I'm not talking about this. That's an easy, that's an easy one to maintain. This, a lot of people have a hard time there. I fully encourage, I, I encourage tough stands. If you can get away with a tough stand, I encourage it. And the book, Face Mask in One Lesson, it exists for people who don't think they can get away with the tough stand. It's, it's the a least, a less good option. So many people wrote me saying, I did the tough stand, I yelled, it, it ended up being put on Twitter, I don't understand why I wasn't able to shop. And that if you need to get to the other side of a compliance checkpoint, uh, that tough stand might not be the right way to go. Yeah, Alan, since, since you raised that, let me, let me comment on that quickly, the, the, the tough stand thing, because I think people who know my activism history go, oh, Adam has no problem with that. You know, and it's like, uh, no, I, I have a specific, I have a, a very specific set of skills and it's, it, that I've developed in the, the school of civil disobedience for myself. But I'm not some superhuman uh, or, or even very out of the norm in the sense that when I contradict someone, when I resist emotional bullying, when I stand up to authority, I still feel that contradiction. I still feel that emotional pull to give in, to submit. And it's, it, it, it is a certain self-confidence that is necessary. You have to go into those situations knowing who you are and saying, I'm going to execute this play, if that's what it is, and I'm going to do so in a way that I'm, I'm not worried about being true to myself. Uh, I'm not worried about losing my cool emotionally. And I'm going to be dignified and happy with who I am doing it. And then you don't end up in any embarrassing video. You're just doing that thing that, that you know is right. And I, 
I do give in a lot of times, you know, in, in, in personal conversations. This is how human beings interact. This is how they exploit us with the language, the propaganda, the uh, emotional manipulation of government. So to go back to the TSA analogy, I mean, it's very useful here in, in this sort of uh, new world dystopic reality of tyranny with these seemingly petty mechanisms of widespread social manipulation in order to control uh, bigger dynamics and impose a much bigger racket. Government doesn't really give a fuck about TSA airport security policy. They really don't give a fuck whether you wear a mask or not. As uh, they said uh, during Vietnam, uh, I think it was one of Nixon's advisors, to the protests outside the White House, they can march as much as they want as long as they keep paying their taxes. And that's the bigger point. And so staying on top of that, that uh, you know, what is the effective, appropriate way for you to resist is, is so important. What is your contribution to freedom going to be? And with the TSA, you know, when they started doing the, uh, the body scanners, uh, I, I, I went through in my underwear once. You know, like that was, that was the protest back then. That was, all right, you're going you're gonna to look at me naked? Fuck you. I'm, I'm going to go through uh, effectively naked. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear, you know, skin-tight underwear, and, and I'm going to walk through as, as much as I can maintaining, uh, you know, my, that, that assertion. Excuse me for the lighting there. Uh, and with the masks, with the airport now, uh, you know, but yeah, I have opted out. I've, I've you know, I've, there were a couple times, you know, I got said, Alan, see, here's where I'm, I've, I got to admit, uh, there, there, there were, there were two instances I was in a hurry. I was borderline going to miss my flight, and I didn't have time to opt out. If I had opted out, I would miss my flight, and I had to weigh that and say, well. Me losing my my perfect record of opting out on TSA scanners and going through this one time is is not worth missing this flight. Uh, but there have been other times when I've, I've been able to say, you know what, I'm going to go all the way. I don't care about this flight. I'm willing to, like, flying home from speaking events. That was my favorite time to fuck with the TSA. Um, but I think about this upcoming trip to Hawaii, right, and even with masks, um, I am, uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll bend over and let them stick a finger in my butt if it's like that is what you have to do to fly. Unfortunately, if I, I'm not going to swim to Hawaii, I'll drive to L.A., but I'm not going to drive to Hawaii, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not going to swim. So, you know, when, when it, I hate to be, to be gr- grotesque about it, uh, but that's the sort of blunt reality that I am going to determine in advance that I'm going to put up a certain amount of resistance. And when and if I get, if I break through and never wear a mask, then great. But if I hit that wall and it's they got a gun to my head or they got a, a door shut in my face, wear a mask or don't fly, I'm going to fly with a mask on. Understood. Understood. Especially, I mean, I can understand you don't want to mess up the honeymoon trip with your wife. I can get that. Um, and there's little moments in life where it's very, very easy to just say no to the mask, to say, I, I am going to have a higher standard. And there's people out there with 
conditions and there's people out there who shouldn't be wearing a mask. There's millions of Americans who shouldn't be wearing a mask. Um, and instead of hiding at home, uh, instead of avoiding daily activity, uh, their usual activity, they can face masks in one lesson kind of goes into how to do daily activity uh, without being uh, having having people yell at you, without having things imposed upon you. Um, and and this is this is a muscle we have to be exercising right now. Um, people don't have to be saying, oh, I don't want to go put on a mask because I don't want to go to that place. Well, there might be, have you looked at your local face mask order? Have you looked at that store's face mask policy? Um, a, a concept that I just kind of encourage uh, over and over again throughout the book is not to have the conflict at the compliance checkpoint. At the compliance checkpoint, the conflict's going to be amped up. You're already walking up saying, hey, I'm, I'm a, I don't fit into the group. I'm a troublemaker. I'm not wearing a mask. Everyone look at me, right? It's already, you not wearing the face mask already saying that. So everyone's amped up when you approach the compliance checkpoint. That might not be what you want to express at all, but that's just how it comes across when people are so fearful right now. And if uh, if you can have that conversation away from the compliance checkpoint, that's easy. So what I what I go into in within the first few pages of the book, and the first few pages give you a lot of meat, about 10 or 15 pages. The rest, the other 250 pages, that's for, for slow learners like me who who maybe need to get a little bit more, uh, do a little more reading and understand more of the aspects of things before they can uh, go and live a more free life. Um, the, the nature of avoiding the compliance checkpoint, though, can just be as simple as, as uh, picking up the phone, uh, speaking to the manager, might take you three minutes, and pointing out, hey, uh, I see you guys have a, a face mask policy. I'm unable to wear a face mask safely. I wanted to make sure I could come shop with you guys. 95% of them are going to say yes. Some of them are going to say, oh, we do curbside. Uh, oh, can you wear this other PPE? Uh, some will say no. And I go through lots of things you can do in that kind of situation. But this is really, really easy, low-hanging fruit to, to, to live a little more freely right now. It's, it's very, and I don't want to convince people who love their masks not wear their mask, but the ones who don't like their mask and have some good reasons not to be wearing the mask, uh, Sonoma County, California, the face mask order says, if you have trouble breathing, you uh, are exempt from wearing a face mask. I think that fits a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Every Walmart employee who I've seen wear their masks with their nose exposed would qualify. <laughs> Michigan, where where uh, the governor is is despised is a tyrant. Michigan orders they uh they say they have exemptions a mile wide. It's exemptions like uh if if you're in a house of worship uh you need not wear a mask. Um, if if you're giving uh if you're preaching in a house of worship you need not wear a mask you need not keep six feet away there's even an exemption for uh you know that the technocrats wanted their god to be worshipped as well uh the state so there's even an exemption for wearing a face mask while voting under the Michigan order my body my temple all right well Alan I, I guess I got just sort of one last big devil's advocate question I'm ready, is is there anybody who should be wearing a mask because of Corona? And, and I'm going to give you some specifics. Like uh, if you've got someone who 
say, you know, just had a, a pacemaker put in or some other, you know, major surgery or, or someone who uh, lives with some immune disorder? Is there, is there something that – are there some situations where it's appropriate to wear a mask, uh, you know, because of COVID, where it might be appropriate to have worn a mask in the past because of a, a bad flu season, but we weren't as conscientious of it? Uh, or, or particular, uh, you know, high risk, you know, limited use, like like a doctor in a in, in a surgical center, obviously, hoping not to drizzle whatever into an, a giant open wound. Uh, but you know, with with all of those sort of possible, well, well, what about this? Well, what about no, do do? Is there anybody who do you think might should still be wearing a mask even in, in limited situations? Um, there's a. Uh... Surgical masks, I'm going to separate from N95 respirators, um, which have all the same kinds of limitations around uh, hygiene around the use. But additionally, they have the issue of needing to be fit tested or P2 respirators or more serious, more serious uh, respiratory equipment. This is if there's serious need, if there's serious worry, no one should be pretending that this surgical face mask over your face or chip over your face or wearing a bandana or a neck gaiter like this is nonsense nonsense there's yeah there might be you should maybe be in a bubble if if you're in certain situations um but don't pretend your three-month-old dirty neck gaiter does anything it it (laughs) may be causing worse and don't don't be noble saying oh i'm saving the world with my neck gaiter i'm saving the world by being obedient this is not this is not what's happening. You're you're lacking in courage at that moment. Do do the things that work, and and you know that might be the the governor of Illinois. Um, I, I have, I like using the heft of my body. I like lifting. The governor of Illinois works. The governor of Illinois has a little extra heft on his body. During <laughs> COVID, during COVID, we learned very clearly what what works and what doesn't work. And there's things like obesity put you at far greater risk. Age put you at far greater risk. You can't you can't change your age. Diabetes put you at far greater risk. So the governor of Illinois, he's so into lockdowns, which aren't working. He's so into the face masks, which aren't working. Governor Pritzker, if he wants to stop the spread, if he wants to slow the spread in his own way, he could do what I did this year and lose a few pounds. That's oh. what that's what lots of people should be doing. We should be looking at our diet. Are, are we eating too much sugar, which hit our, our immune system in a negative way? Right? There's There's... Are we going outside? Are we getting sunlight? Are we getting fresh air? Lots of work. Yeah, no, Alan, I think that's a perfect note to end on, to give people that better perspective and remind people that at at best this is a huge misdirection of energy and attention for something that might have at best a marginal health benefit, that if Americans put as much thought into diet and exercise as we have into masks and lockdowns and uh, government legal shutdown, whatever COVID response policy, we would be far healthier, even if we just said we're not going to do anything in response to the virus and let it take take its natural course. It's it's pretty sad to to it to to be able to say that now. You know, not even looking at the uh, the suicide, depression, uh, all of the other uh, you know the, the the sedentary lifestyle consequences for Americans who are spending more time sitting than ever before. That uh, if if we just you know hey diet and exercise yeah no shit diet and exercise 
back to fucking basics. You want to be healthy? No, none of this stuff matters compared to diet and exercise. And, and I, I, I hate to fat shame, but uh, we're not fat shaming the governor there. We are hypocrisy shaming him, which is a lot more appropriate. So, Alan, uh, what would you like people to know to be able to contact you or uh, get a hold of you or see more of your writings? And uh, the best way for people to get your book, Face Masks in One Lesson. By the way, love the nod to Hazlitt there. Hey, thank you. Thank you for noticing that, Adam. Um, I, I, write, I write quite a bit these days on lourockwell.com. Um, some of the content of the book is there. Um, you don't have to buy the book if you want to learn more about these things. Just search for me there, and you'll, you'll find quite a, quite a bit about the topic there. If you want to buy the book, the book's about 20 bucks, and it is far more information than you would even have imagined on this topic. Helpful tip after helpful tip after helpful tip over and over again, plus a little bit of encouragement and philosophy, and um, you will feel inspired. I have no question about that after after uh, reading Face Masks in one lesson. No question. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alan. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Adam. All right. Man, I, I'm not sorry about that interview going a little longer than planned today. I hope that was a lot of fun. Now, we have just seven minutes left in the program, so let's get comment Jim Freedom back up here and check in with the audience before we get to a double dose of good news. Uh, we've got a good news story from today, a good news network, and good news this day in history. And uh, that means we get to win. That's all we're going to do. Okay. Yeah, CJ, you want to play us out of the Corona block? Because that was it. Now, CJ, there's only one thing missing from that. At least the tag that says, this is not medical advice. Needs needs to be in the audio as well, right? <laughs> All right, Jim. I know we got comments on the Rona uh, and and the mask. Uh, I, I, I as if I, it is it is I, it, it's a weird kind of civil disobedience. It's almost in a unique category when it's uh, opt out of the shit that they true. I mean, if, if if it's really voluntary, right? Like if uh, wearing a if it were as simple as yeah, you have to wear a mask everywhere. Unless you have a medical exemption, which could be as simple as wearing a mask makes me have trouble breathing. Um, it, it's not. Is it, is it mandatory? You know, it's like well, if you're paying attention, uh, it's not. I don't know. But is it is it civil disobedience? You're not breaking a law, but you are definitely resisting a form of social manipulation. And I loved what Alan had to say about you know it's it, it's not did we defeat this or do this in this moment but you know did we put forth an appropriate effort to resist that manipulation yeah definitely i loved i loved that conversation i liked how he challenged you to he said what does he have to do to get you to say you'll never wear the mask again and i understand all the points you brought up about your about your honeymoon and whatever if circumstances were different you know you'll you'll make the case in in 90% of your interactions. This is a unique uh Well, no, I make I make two I make two exemptions, you know, personal requests and uh when it when it not not when it's a store employee saying wear this 
because I'm working here. Uh, but when someone says, hey, when you're within six feet of me, because you have your nose and mouth covered, I'll say, well, I'll probably just stay the fuck away from you and your lunacy. But if I have to, and I would rather de-escalate and be polite and interact with that person, that I, that I will. And, you know, I will I will resist uh, in, in every situation as much uh, as much as I practically can. Uh, and I, I wouldn't ask anybody to do more than that. There are times when you can do more than that and make a bigger point. Um, and and I, I celebrate those as well. And it's funny because you and I are debating, hey, when you're civil disobedient, should you uh, just be a dickhead or should you go all the way? Just the right. tip? Or, or or the or or the full uh, the full sausage, and and we go well that and and we ring you and me ring our hands over are we resisting enough and like the baseline for the American public is resist what? <laughs> yeah, I have my most recent uh, my most recent mask asking experience would have been at a Walmart. Uh, I've been to a couple. I'll say this: QT gas stations. Have never said any QT gas station I went to in the entire valley. I've never said a single word about me not having a mask. They've never asked me to have one. They've never asked if I had one. Never, never anything. Just how you doing? Good day, and it's a good interaction. So QT is awesome. Circle K's hit or miss. Walmart. I walk in the other day, and uh, I, basically, what you do with them, you have to show your confidence. You have to be uh, not assertive, just confident i guess and and uh as i'm walking in i already know without fail every single time walking into a walmart the person will say do you have a mask and i say no i have a medical exemption thank you and i i like say it as i'm walking they say oh do you have a mask oh no i have a medical exemption thank you and i just keep walking and usually by now they just say okay and uh, the other day when i was there i was walking in and the lady said, do you have a mask? I said, I have a medical exemption. Thank you. And she said, okay, thank you. And another lady was right next to me, and she, I saw her on the side of my, uh, my peripheral vision or whatever, and she, like, stopped dead in her tracks and looks over at the lady, and then I could hear her because I didn't want to stop. As I was walking away, I heard her go up to the lady and say, medical exemption? He doesn't have to wear a mask? Like, she's, I don't know if she was upset about it or if she might go, well, I have a medical exemption too. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. You know, like she was probably like, yep. all he has to do is say that. He doesn't have to show you a piece of paper. No, this isn't papers, please. Thank you very much. You know, because that would have been my answer to that anyway. I have a medical exemption. Have a nice day. It's none of your business further than that. You know, if you don't want, if, if I, I'm saying if, because it hasn't happened to me yet. I'm just lucky, I guess. But if they say, well, I don't care. You have to leave. They've done that at an auto zone where they don't like my medical exemption, but never a Walmart. If they say, I say, oh, okay, no problem. I'll go to another business that defines freedom uh, similar to the way I do, you know, instead of uh, the way you do or whatever. I'll make some funny one-liner as I'm heading out. Say, I'm happy to shop somewhere else. Screw you guys if you're falling for this garbage, you know. And hopefully that just plants a seed in their mind like, man, why does that guy resist it so much? It's just a mask like everybody says, you know. It's just putting on a mask for five minutes. All he wants to do is buy some power steering fluid. Why can't you just put on a mask for five minutes? What's that going to do to his medical exemption? It's the point. I'm planting the seed of the point in their brain, you know, when I say, no, I'm happy to go somewhere else. Piss off with your, you know, idiocy or whatever. Planting seeds, that's all. But uh, 
Outlaw Ninja likes the videos, old videos of you and TSA are priceless. <laughs> he likes the you opting out videos on YouTube. If so, only that yeah. was, uh, I don't know if only that was all still relevant. But yeah. yeah, it's a whole different right. world than when you used to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Any other comments? Uh, yeah, we got some comments. Do you have, uh, I'm a statist, don't be a statist. Do you have a mask? No, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last <laughs> night. <laughs> okay? Oh, I hope I get to use that line on video. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Walmart is public funded, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, they do get public no. what, subsidies. They get corporate subsidies from the government. You could, I'm sure, somewhere along the line. But yeah, they're not fully, obviously, funded by them. Um, let's see. Troy Lee 007. Oh, he was talking about some. Take that friggin' mask off. I don't wear a mask unless they tell me. He says. So he's sort of like you, I guess. He, he he resists it unless somebody specifically walks up. You're probably a level beyond that because they have to ask. I, I've never had anybody literally come up and say, will you wear a mask when you're within six feet of me? Like, personalize it like that. You yeah, know I mean? I've like never had anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put your mask on. <laughs> I don't no, hear, I hear, no, 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 don't worry about it for me. I hear that. Like, or, like you'll, you'll – I'll oh, be interacting. Oh, like it's I'll, for everybody else. I'll yeah. be shopping and need an employee's help finding something, and not be wearing a mask. And and they'll, you know, oh, you're not wearing a mask. I guess I'm not either. Good call. Let's see. Um, let's see. There was some other ones I wanted to get to, but I've been lost them. Uh, t don't be a status says TSA do get very upset when you refuse the body scanner. They use the timeout strategy. You can refuse the scan, but it'll take them thirty minutes to get the pat down guy, the pat down guy, to touch my wiener. <laughs> he just had to throw that. Imagine you're sitting on an airplane, and right before it takes off, you hear an announcement from the cockpit. Ladies and gentlemen, we are cleared for takeoff. We just need you to do one more thing in order for the plane to work properly. In order to make sure that the terrorists are not on board, we need you all to pick your nose. That's right. You just need to just stick your finger up there and hold it until after takeoff. We're just going to need – we're going to have uh, the, the flight attendants. We're gonna, they're going to go up and down the aisle, and they're going to make sure that everybody's got their finger in their nose – in order for us to be able to take off. What would you think? Would you would that be good or bad for the airline's credibility? Would you feel more or less safe as a result? Well, believe it or not, the airlines do something just as effective at keeping you safe and ensuring the plane works properly as having you pick your nose or stand on one foot or dance around naked, or whatever else they might have you do as or part of the theater that is flying mm -hmm. in America today. No, you could update that with, or wear a mask, or show your vaccine yep. card. I, fa I found the comment, I know we're over time, but I found the comment I wanted to bring up. Uh, I don't know if it helps or anything like that. Maybe they're referring to when you're going to the airport, but it's from a Brian Fulmer. 
on Facebook. He says, request to speak to their respiratory protection expert. They're called certified industrial hygienists. And they have a Hippocratic Oath, too. They can't lie to you regarding the masks. That's why they're not sought to comment on these matters publicly. Oh, there's a, there's a rule Every right airline now has a number of them. Lie. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I mean, but he's saying take the chance of asking for that specific personnel that every airline has and just ask them about it. And if you can get the, the person that works at that airplace to say, okay, fair enough, you don't have to wear one. Go ahead and take this take this little piece of paper with my permission on it while you walk through our airport or something, you know. Mm, you know sounds like it's not necessarily a complicated angle to play. I, I, I Generally... What I have found, you know, and and this reminds me of, uh, you know, Mark Stevens' approach of disputing jurisdiction. Uh, Do you have have proof that you have jurisdiction? Can you prove it? you got to hold that line and keep it really simple. No, I have a medical exemption. Know what orders they're referencing in advance. And, you know, you go to the airport and the airport in L.A. says, well, California order. Well, according to the California order. I have a medical exemption. Uh, if you don't know the order, you shouldn't be enforcing it. Uh, yes, according to the Hawaii Travel Advisory, according to federal guidelines, I have a medical exemption. And, and you know, hold that simple line and say, no, no, you can't know about it because that's my right under medical privacy to say I have a medical exemption and not tell you what it is. You don't have a right to know my medical situation. Right, right, yeah. Well, I think he's suggesting that if you ask to speak to that person, you could ask them, is wearing a mask healthy for me? And if you can get them to say, no, you shouldn't be wearing a mask because they're not supposed to lie to anybody. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, it's a, I didn't know if it would be an avenue worth checking or not. But we're no. over time, so let's get to All some right. good news. All right. Let's see. Do we have we have some producer note stuff? Uh, okay, a couple more artists. Show with Falcor's lip reading. <laughs> by, oh, by the way, uh, CJ wanted to point out it was and still is on the books as a felony to wear a mask. It would be in public, obviously, in some states. Funny how that's never mentioned. Is yeah, they're tricking everybody into committing felonies. All right, to the good news. And this is actually a piece of good news from two weeks ago that we missed from the main uh, news stream at goodnewsnetwork.org. Deaths from terrorism reached five-year low, falling for fifth straight year. Globally, deaths from terrorism fell for the fifth consecutive year in 2019, a 15% decrease from the prior year, continuing a positive trend. The 2020 Global Terrorism Index reports this week that deaths from terrorism peaked in 2014, and the number of deaths has now decreased by 59% since then. The annual report, now in its eighth year, is developed by the think tank Institute for Economics and Peace, which uses a number of factors to calculate its score, including the number of incidences, fatalities, injuries, and property damage. Uh, Unfortunately... Uh, this headline, uh, is, or this, this study, I don't think reports on exactly how many of those terrorist attacks are uh, government-sponsored terrorism or government-fabricated false flag terrorist attacks, and how many of them are, if truly organic, uh, 
uh, excuse me, well, not if, you know, there really would be three categories, sort of government caused, uh, truly organic, and then uh, completely government fabricated. And I think separating that is more important here. But at very least, that this is less of a thing than it ever has been or has been recently. Good news to celebrate governments not getting away with as much terrorism as they have in the past, unless you count mask terrorism and coronaphobia. Remember, coronaphobia. Yeah, be afraid. Be very afraid. All right, it's going to be good. I'm down. Um, did, I, did I say it again? <laughs> All right. Good news on this day in history. December 14, 35 years ago today, Wilma Mankiller became the first woman to be elected chief of a major American Indian tribe, taking office as principal chief of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. Uh, and, yeah, there are plenty of status problems with that. But, yeah, good news. On this day in 1911, Roald Amundsen's exploration team became the first to reach the South Pole. On this day in 1977, Saturday Night Fever premiered, starring a young John Travolta. Uh, on this day in 1979, The Clash released London Calling, an album mix of punk, reggae, rockabilly, ska, New Orleans R&B, pop, lounge, jazz, and hard rock, which was ranked, ranked number eight on Rolling Stone Magazine's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. On this day in 1995, the Dayton Accord was signed by leaders of Bosnia, Serbia, and Croatia, ending the bitter three-year Bosnian War. That definitely good news. On this day in 1988, President Bill Clinton watched as hundreds of Palestinian leaders renounced a call for the destruction of Israel. Now, I don't know why this good news is through the lens of Clinton watched, because President Bill Clinton, uh, as the start of a sentence, rarely ends in good news. But if he's watching and not doing anything, it, it, it's possible. On this day in 2004, the highest bridge in the world, the Malau Viaduct, was officially opened near Malau, France, in 2004. Uh, yeah, and that's the good news for the day. And uh, there's other yeah, important stuff. So don't forget to support the show. Adam versus the man.com, patreon.com slash Adam versus the man, $10 a month gets you producers club membership plus 15% off and free shipping on all your merch at the amazing Adam versus the man.com store that CJ put together. Don't forget to support our affiliate, CigarFederation.com, where Adam10, promo code ADAM10, all caps, gets you 10% off your order, and MakeThemDebate.com. With that, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.